0: Lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf. How about a cold one on the patio during a nice spring day? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice,
2: Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
1: Back once again here on the GM Shuffle. Thanks so much for checking this out. We're going to talk about some major games coming up this week, including a heavyweight matchup, Mike Green Bay, San Francisco. People are fired up for it. That will be the Sunday night football game. Also, Seattle-Philly and your mailbag questions. As always, you can send them to thegmshuffle at gmail.com. But we start with Lamar Jackson and former Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator Marty Morningweg denying a report this past Tuesday that he wanted to move quarterback Lamar Jackson to wide receiver. Morning said in a statement released by the Ravens, that didn't happen, never said that. He denied that he suggested a position change for Jackson, who, by the way, of course, is in the MVP conversation. Here's Morning quote. My thoughts before the draft and even more when we started working with Lamar was that this young man was going to be a special quarterback. Very early, we saw that along with all of his throwing and escape abilities, he reads the
2: field as well as any young quarterback I ever worked with. Is he telling the truth here, Mike? You know, according to my source, he's he's not. I mean, Marty called me this week and and was violently defending himself and how he, you know, loved the kid. And then so I reached back to my source and and actually two sources within the building. And both of them said they stand by what they sent to me. And look, I believe what he told me. But I think the actions speak a lot louder than whatever words people are saying. I think, you know, look... The thing that's fascinating about this whole Lamar, everybody, you know, the NFL's filled with people that want to jump on something that's successful. And this would have gone the other way had Lamar not been successful, right? There would have been a lot of people saying, I told you he couldn't play. I, t- I mean, he's the fifth quarterback picked, okay? If this is what people visualized before the draft, why were four quarterbacks picked before him? Why were teams trading up to get quarterbacks to get him? Seriously. If it was so obvious, and, you know, I'll go, Marty said, hey, he defended it, Yada yeah, yeah, I got it back, and the guy sent me an exact quote from the room that I wouldn't repeat on air. But, I mean, I've got it back from people that were in the room. This is Steve Bishotti's decision. This was nothing by premeditated by anything that the Baltimore Ravens did. It was his decision to make it, let's give it a shot. Did they not like the kid? No, in fact, Milt Hendrickson was the, one of the only scouts who was jumping on a table for him? He's now second in command at Green Bay. That was the guy that was pushing it. It was one of the only scouts jumping on the table for the kid. And I mean, look, let's examine, AD. Let's examine. Let's do a forensic autopsy here of their draft day that, that day. They're picking 16th in the first round, correct? Right. And they get a phone call from Buffalo, and Buffalo is willing to trade them up. And so they make a deal with Buffalo. They trade with Buffalo, and they get picked 22 and they get something else, right? So they trade down to 22, which was originally Buffalo had the extra pick. Then Tennessee wants to go from 25 to 22. And Baltimore, which is madly in love with Lamar. I mean, they're madly in love with Lamar, and they want to build their whole franchise around them, decide again to trade from 22 to 25. Now, you've got to know this. The Patriots had spent a lot of time on Lamar Jackson. They spent a ton of time. And when Baltimore traded from twenty-two to twenty-five, with New England sitting at twenty-three, they had to know New England was all over Lamar. They had sent Josh McDaniels there. They spent time with them. They had spent. All, there was a lot of talk. I was talking about it. That I thought that they would draft him. I really did. And at the end of the day, I think they felt like they have to change completely. And the transition from Tom to Lamar probably would have been too dramatic in one year. And so I think they passed. But I think that they had genuine, genuine interest in the kid. And I mean, I know this because my son coached at Louisville. My son was there. My son was getting phone calls from people in the league. Genuinely interested in Lamar.
1: Yeah, here's what I find fascinating, Mike. So how did so many teams miss on Lamar Jackson? And I'm not... You know, hey, bless the Ravens because they actually did pick him. Maybe they could have picked him higher, but all these other teams, how did and this is this is an indictment by the way on everybody, on 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 ESPN, on Fox, every college football analyst. The fact that nobody said Lamar Jackson should be a top ten pick, that everybody had him behind Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold at the very least, and after that, okay, Josh Allen and so on and so forth. How did everybody miss so badly on Lamar Jackson?
2: I don't know, but I got my ass ripped. I got my ass ripped by the great Cleveland media when I said that to me, if I were the Browns, I would have picked Bradley Chubb, Quentin Nelson, Rokon Smith. I would have done one and four. I would have picked Nelson and Chubb as who I really wanted to pick, a an offensive and defensive lineman. And then I would have traded back into the first to get Lamar. I said that after the draft, and I got my ass hammered. Hammered. I got hammered for that. I was one of the only people that was saying, because I had I had my son coach, I watched this kid play every single day. I watched him play, you know, and all these draft guys are talking about go back and read the draft grades. You know, it's hit or miss with Lamar, it's hit or miss with Lamar. And you're right. You are absolutely right. Give Baltimore complete credit. But my only point about talking about Baltimore trading around, if there were this many people in the Baltimore organization that love Lamar like they say they do, then why the hell were they trading down? why were they risking letting new england pick them in front of them and then when they get to 25 when they get to 25 they don't even pick them there they pick a tight end who that they allegedly claim they're building their organization around lamar so they pick the tight end to help lamar wait a minute hold on they don't have lamar they don't even have lamar when they pick the
1: tight end yeah it's bizarre the way it went like that here let me ask you this too further lamar Jackson. everybody right now is in love with the guy for good reason you know but you don't want to be a flavor of the month you don't want to be a flash in the pan What potential concerns do you see with this guy? Because in terms of great running quarterbacks, there's only a few that have been, you know, truly successful, whether it's Randall Cunningham or Michael Vick or Cam Newton briefly, although Newton who knows where his career is going to go. We all know the strengths of Lamar Jackson right now, Mike, the arm strength and the escapability, et cetera. What concerns do you, though, see for Lamar Jackson?
2: Well, I think there's a when you have Lamar, you have to be really good on defense. And 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 I think well that's where the people have misconstrued what's going on in, in Baltimore lately because of what they've been able to do defensively. In the last 4 weeks, their defense has really improved. I mean, tremendously they've improved. And I think when you break it down and you see Their ability to improve defensively, you're like, holy heck, they've been able to slow teams down. They've been able to get off the field. I mean, Arizona moved the ball at will on their secondary. But since about the bye week after they got beat by Cleveland, they fixed this defense, and they're playing at a higher level. So you need a really good defense. Because the reason you need a really good defense is you can't get behind in games. You can't allow Lamar to play in a dropback world. Lamar Jackson and Jared Goff are essentially the same parameters that you have to build your team around. Jared Goff can't play in a dropback pass game. I don't give a shit how much money they give him. He can't play in a dropback pass game. It's got to be all play action for him. And you can't play action when you're behind. You can't play action when you don't have a run game. Lamar needs play action in a run game. And if he ever gets into a dropback pass game, then we're going to sit there and say, see, this is why I didn't like him. This is why I didn't like him. There's a style that Lamar has to play. It's very clear. He's got to play a certain style. And he is the upper echelon of that style. But when it gets into a game where he can't run that style and he has to go left-handed as opposed to being able to run his style, then I think all hell breaks loose. And then I think all these other teams. The other team that I think that I really believed in the draft, in my bones, I believed the Chargers were going to draft him at 17. I believed it. I thought it. I believed it, and when they picked Derwin James, great pick, don't get me wrong, because I really thought Anthony Lynn wanted somebody back. I thought he wanted somebody to challenge him, and I thought they were going to pick him there. So you said, okay, the, I thought the Patriots and I thought the Chargers were the two teams. And give Baltimore credit. They come back into the first. They trade with Philadelphia. They get back into the first at 32, and they pick them. So, look, I'll take Marty Morningwick for his word. I'm not backing off what my source told me because I have other sources from other areas in the same organization that tell me the same thing. That being said, the proof's in the pudding. Like, if everybody loved this kid and thought he was going to be the next great quarterback, and then you start Joe Flacco, and let's not forget, let's not forget – when they benched Joe Flacco, there was a lot of unhappy campers within the Baltimore organization. Do you remember that? Well, that's
1: what I was going to say. A Part of this then becomes this. Flacco had a lot of defenders, and it's amazing, Mike, what a Super Bowl will do for you. No matter what you say about Joe Flacco, you could criticize him every which way, but Sunday, people say, yeah, but he won a Super Bowl. And it's like, no, but he's not the same quarterback he was. He's not as strong as other players. To your point, maybe Lamar Jackson was pushing him in camp. Yet Flacco had a lot of supporters, if not apologists, at one point.
2: And, I mean, they weren't going to bench him. I mean, you know, it wasn't until really – and give John – I mean, I think John Harbaugh came into this thing with an open mind. I really do. I think he was listening to his offensive staff and his personnel people, and I don't think there was anybody – all due respect, Marty – there was anybody screaming, this is the second coming of Steve Young here. I mean, let's face it. I mean, the word in the building was they thought he was Michael Vick but not as good as passer. I mean, that was one quote that someone said. I mean, there's a lot of things that are going on here, right? And give John credit when he came in there. And then when they made the change to Roman, I mean, and in fairness to Marty, in fairness to Marty, Marty couldn't really love Lamar. Marty's a West Coast offense guy. He's a rhythm thrower. That's the one thing Lamar's not. They kept trying to make Joe Flacco a rhythm thrower. That's what he wasn't either, you know? And so sometimes coaches that don't like a certain player, it's because he doesn't really quite fit what they want to do. And that's understandable.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's fascinating the way everything has happened now because with Lamar Jackson, he could be considered Michael Vick 2.0, as we've discussed, MVP conversation. Baltimore appears to be a juggernaut in the AFC. And now with the quarterback position evolving, we know that everyone loves... A good imitation of that it's a copycat league but there's only so many lamar jacksons out there but you watch college football passionately as much as anybody mike do you think the quarterback position now becomes everyone's looking for the next lamar jackson or is it hey listen this guy's phenomenal but there's only so many of these players that are like this let's keep looking for our prototypical big strong
2: quarterbacks like justin herbert out of oregon I think it's not going to change. I think that what Lamar's doing is so revolutionary. I mean, look, I think Kyler Murray has proven that he's better than I thought he was. Kyler Murray, and I think what Cliff Kingsbury's done in the last seven weeks of what he's done with his offense is really good. He's moved Murray around. He's given him a chance. He's taken away from the offensive line. He's been in some two-back sets. He's been in tight end sets. I mean, he's really changed what he's doing. I think Kingsbury has really proven that he can adapt to the NFL, which really, for me, If you're an NFL executive and and Kingsbury's doing this, you should look at Mike Leach as a potential head coaching candidate because Leach can do it as well as anybody. And if Kingsbury's doing it like this, it's going to open up the door for Mike Leach, I think. But the reality here is... You're not going to find another Lamar. I mean, Kyler Murray's not even as half as fast as Lamar. He's not – I don't care what they time. Lamar breaks through angles on tackles all the time. It's going to come down to the challenge that we have in evaluating quarterbacks in the NFL is simply this. We can't figure out the college game because the college game is really more of a seven-on-seven seven game. And the quarterbacks hold the ball for too long. There's too many, like Mason Rudolph, for example. Mason Rudolph is the classic seven-on-seven quarterback. He holds the ball too long. He can't sit there and say, okay, I'm going to cut it. I'm going to throw it before the receiver breaks open. He can't quite do it. And I think that's the problem with college guys, and we see it. I mean, and and look, the NFL is, is right now, there's quarterbacks that are highly paid that aren't playing to the level they are because there's some issues. Let's take one, Carson Wentz. I mean, Carson Wentz isn't playing anywhere near where he was a year ago, two years ago when he was almost the MVP. I mean, he's a yard and a half down below his average. Tom Brady not playing nearly as good as he did. Is it the receivers? Is it the quarterback? Drew Brees can't throw the ball down the field. Is he not playing as well? Way down yards per attempt.
1: Yeah, and, and this is what gets, gets interesting is that you say, right, clearly those guys are, well, at least in the case of Breeze and Brady, older guys, you can see the wear and tear, et cetera. We'll talk more about Wentz and how key that game is against the Seahawks. But will we ever get to a point where you'd have two quarterbacks in the backfield? If if team would say, listen, this is going to be our prototypical throwing quarterback, and this will be our running quarterback
2: who is primarily running back but also throw the ball. Could that ever happen? I think it's going to. I think we're getting close to it. I mean, look, Carolina has it with Reggie Bohannon. He played quarterback. He played quarterback before Lamar at Louisville. He was a quarterback there. They moved him uh, when Lamar came in. I mean, there's guys like that bouncing around the league that have this unique— Joe Joe Webb's played a career in the NFL because he could play in the special teams. You put him in the backfield with Deshaun Watson, and you run plays where he can throw the ball, a little bit like what Edelman did for New England last week. I mean, Edelman's the you know, he played quarterback at Kent State. So when you have this versatility within your defense and you're in such desperate straits to make plays down the field, which a lot of these teams are. I mean, look, there's so many of these teams that can't make plays down the field. They can't get chunk plays. You can't score. You can't run the ball for four. All these people that want to run the ball, you can't run the ball. Michael Vick, when he took off and ran, it was a chunk run. Or when Lamar takes off and run, it's a chunk run. And all of a sudden they're making plays down the field.
1: This was our Make Me Smarter segment. Certainly the quarterback position will continue to evolve, and it's fascinating to see what happens to Lamar Jackson and the Ravens overall. Coming up after the break, the Seahawks travel to Philadelphia to take on Carson Wentz and the Eagles. As Mike mentioned, Wentz has been underachieving so far. It's a must win game for Philly. We'll preview that game plus the monster matchup with the Packers and Niners next.
0: Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 8778 hope Y or text HOPE-N-Y-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available. For problem gambling, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: All right, again, we keep saying this because, you know, people maybe don't appreciate how well Mike is doing because he's picking these picks. It's not outright. It's against the spread, okay? This is harder than you think, especially since Mike is not a professional gambler, okay? He's not uh, <laughs> he's not hanging out with Mush and a bunch of other guys. He's not a bookie right now in Ocean City. He's just a football guy who loves football. And he's trying to make you guys some money. Right now against the spread,
2: 30-17-1. And you know what I've tried to do is, is like like anytime you try to make decisions, you have to take your confirmation bias out of it. And I think you know you've got to be able to really have a code. You get in these situations where you need a code. You need something. I'm reading this incredible book by Ben Horowitz called "What You Do Is Who You Are." It's about how to create business culture. And this and Horowitz goes into these prison camps and and he talks to this guy Shaka Segoor, who's fascinating. I mean, just absolutely fascinating about the culture within the prison and about the creed that they have to have and the things that they do. And look, let's face it, they're there because they're violent criminals. But that doesn't mean they're dumb and i mean shaka he's basically saying look i had all this intelligence i could have been a lawyer i could have been this but the culture i was growing up in was so bad it forced me down the road right and so because your culture determines where you want to go based on your confirmation bias i've tried to take out of it and i've come up with my own power rankings because i'm figuring like hey if some slappy can do power rankings i can do them too i mean look i i know what determines the outcome of the game and then I let the power rankings speak for themselves. And if they do, they do. And, I, and sometimes I'll take games that I have really no interest in taking, but it tells me that that's what the power rankings should do. And I think that's the only way you can try to maintain some level of consistency because the books are always going to win. If you can get to 56%, you're the world-class. I mean, Billy Walters is in prison down in Florida. I mean, he's the world-class sports better. He's at 57%. That guy that's on Jeopardy, he's at 57%. I mean, that's what you want to get to if you're really good.
1: Yeah, if you're in the 60s, I mean, forget about it. James Holtzauer from Jeopardy. Yeah,
2: you know you know, the trend's coming towards you. You know you're, eventually you're going to end up losing. But if you have a model, like I had this guy send me this, like, like I, can you promote my model? I think my model's great. I said, look, why don't you send me, you know, your picks for the first five weeks of the season? And tell me what you're doing and if they're good I'll, I'll promote your model I got no problem with that his picks were disaster like go fix your model <laughs> go fix your fucking model like seriously you know your models broke bro like I'm not going to promote your model when you're when you're five games below 500 I, I look like a chooch yeah.
1: sounds like Michael Keaton and Beetlejuice nice model that's unbelievable let's get into these games Seattle and Philadelphia the Seahawks are eight and two the Eagles are five and five this is a must win game here for the Eagles Russell Wilson's 23 touchdowns to two interceptions interceptions that's the fourth best in a single season in NFL history in terms of ratios and the concern here for the Eagles defense they have not forced an interception since week seven and more to that I mentioned how good Russell's been for the Seahawks offense well according to pro football focus Carson Wentz's receivers have dropped 23 passes this season that's the
2: second most in football Mike that's brutal yeah, no, and I think this is – we talked about it, you know, the great article that they put in the inquiry. We talked about it last week about how it, it's even more fascinating that article came out because the reality of it is is if the guy that was leaking that article was paying attention to his own team, he would have realized that the last three games the Eagles have played defense that might be the best defense in the NFL. They've averaged 4.97 yards per attempt in one game, 5.95, 4.84 in the last three games. I mean, they've been remarkable about shutting teams down, throwing the ball down the field. Just flat-out remarkable. they play 24 minutes of defense. They've only given up nine plays over 25 yards in the last six weeks. I mean, it's really unbelievable. They've given up eight touchdowns, four in the Minnesota game. I mean, they have been unbelievable unbelievable on defense and yet they run this article complaining about Schwartz picking the players I mean seriously are you watching your own fucking team like, you should be giving Schwartz a contract extension based on the last three weeks because Carson Wentz, who you drafted and you want to make the glorification of, is a yard down from his yards per attempt. I mean, even though it's Nelson Aguilar, now I'm sure you'll blame Chip Kelly for Aguilar because he's not good this year, and I'm sure you'll blame somebody else for the other picks, but the reality of it is is your offense is horrible right now. You can't move the ball. I think the one thing that screams, screams, screams is that the Eagles miss Frank Wright. I mean, you can't put it any other way. You can't put it any other They miss Frank Wright. A great offensive coordinator who
1: know how to get balance and offense, and the Eagles have not had a 100-yard rusher in 38 straight games. That's the longest active drought in the NFL. you got Miles Sanders there, and yet you do not run the football with consistency. Now, having said that, the Seattle's defense, this isn't the Legion of Boom of the past. They've allowed 25.4 points per game this season. That's their most since 2010, so maybe Philly's able to take advantage of Seattle defense, which isn't as good as it's been in years past.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go Philly here, and I think that the reason I'm going Philly here is I haven't liked the behavior of teams off buys this year I mean everybody just assumes they're playing really well off a buy I think teams off a buy take a little bit of time I thought the Patriots last week didn't look good off the buy I just don't think teams have looked crisp and clean off buys and I think that look let's face it this is a make or break game for Philly home game I don't think teams lose two home games in a row especially teams that have some sense of pride and the way they're playing defense And Seattle's undefeated on the road. They're going to lose a road game. We all know that. I like Philly here. I like Philly. The line's coming in my favor. I think Philly, it was a three-point game. Now it's down to one and a half. It'll probably close at one. I'll give Seattle a point and a half, and I'll take Philly.
1: All right, moving on. Eagles are chasing the Dallas Cowboys, who are 6 and 4, taking on the 9 and 1 New England Patriots. E60, a loyal listener of the podcast, wants to know, what's up with Tom Brady? Three games this season with zero passing touchdowns. That's his most
2: in a season since 2009. Yeah, I think a lot of it is the receivers. Look, I said this earlier. Antonio Brown wasn't a luxury. He was a necessity. They really don't have an outside receiver. And now they're really beat up. I mean, they're not healthy. We saw Sanu get hurt last week in the game. Whether he plays or not, I don't know. You know, Julian Edelman was kind of sucking it up and played through the week last week. He's hurt. Dorsett left last week's game with a concussion. And that's – that I'm giving you the players, and they're not even great. Now, they get Isaiah Wynn back. And when when I broke this game down, typically my point was – New England should have been a four-point favorite. I'm Dallas. I'm getting six and a half. I don't love Dallas at all. I think Dallas' defense is not as good as people think. You know, pro football focus has Jalen Smith as the greatest linebacker in the history of football. Well, why, why don't we just watch him on tape for a little while and see what we think there? You know, I mean, so I don't love Dallas's defense. I think they're small. Here's an interesting nugget. When Dallas's defense plays 30 minutes or more, they're 5-17 and 17 the last two years. When they play less than 30 minutes, they're 20-14. and 14. You got to get Dallas's defense to play over 30 minutes. You got to control the ball, you got to wear them down, you got to make it so that it's hard for them. And I don't know if New England can do that. I don't think New England's been very sharp on third down this year. I don't think New England's been able to make any plays down the field. They're 10 for 29 in the last 2 weeks on third down, you know, and they haven't been able they averaged a 6.5 yards per attempt and they've had 14 plays over 25 yards in the last 6 games. They can't make plays down the field. And here's what's fascinating. The Patriots have allowed more yards on the ground in the last six weeks. They average five point two yards per rush the last six weeks, and they allowed five one one yards per attempt the last six weeks. You actually do better th- running the ball against New England's defense than throwing it, which
1: is insane to think about. And the Cowboys' offense. They were, The last time they were number one, they were ranked in total offense, was 1977. They went on to win the Super Bowl. And Dak Prescott, 100-plus passer rating in four straight games. That's the longest active streak right now in football.
2: No doubt. I think that what he's been able to do is he's been able to – they've got great skill. It's not by design. It's all by the players that they have. I think what Belichick will do is he'll take – He'll put Gilmore on Gallup, and he'll double Amari Cooper, and he'll say, Jason Witten, Randall Cobb, if you can beat me, beat me. He'll set the edge on the defense, force Zeke not to be able to get the outside of the defense, force the game to be played from numbers to numbers, and see if he can take his chances. I think Dak will move the ball. I think he'll move the ball pretty well on him like he did last week, but I just don't think New England's going to be able to score. If New England wins, I just don't see him winning by more than by more than a field goal. I think it's a field goal game. I think New England could win the field goal game but I like the I'll take the Cowboys in the points I'll take the Road Dog here
1: all right. So taking the Eagles and the Cowboys so far, that moves us to the matchup of the weekend. Green Bay and San Francisco, 8-2 and two Packers against the 9-1 49ers. Mistake-free football has been a key for Green Bay. Entering Week 12, Aaron Rodgers, 138 consecutive attempts without an interception. That's tied for the third longest active streak in football. But say this for the Niners, they have balance. Only team in football that ranked top five in total and scoring offense and top five in total and scoring defense this season. What what do you think, Mike? Who wins this one?
2: You know, this is a toss-up game for me. I've gone back and forth on this one because, you know, I, there's a part of me that worries about San Francisco turning the ball over. They've turned it over five times in the last two weeks, and Green Bay lives on turnovers. And, and I hate to go in a field goal game. How do I go against Aaron Rodgers? How do I go against Aaron Rodgers? And But then coming off the bye, I'm not really in love with teams coming off the bye. I'm not in love with that. I'm going to go San Francisco here because the reason I'm doing it is simply this is when I broke these two teams down, San Francisco, should the line should be six. It's only three. My line should be six. It's only three. I'm going to go San Francisco.
1: One other thought here for the Niners. They do average 225 rushing yards per game against teams ranked bottom 10 in rush defense. Green Bay's ranked 25th in that department. So you often focus on quarterbacks, but maybe the Niners' running game will be the key to the victory here.
2: Yeah, I think so, and I think they can. You can run the ball on Green Bay. Look, I think Kyle Shanahan will do a good job. I think if Kittle comes back, it'll even be better. But I really, really like I like San Francisco. I think they need to play better defensively, and I think that defensive front can create problems for Rodgers. Last, game to talk about
1: Carolina and New Orleans. Five and five Panthers against the eight and two New Orleans Saints, and. Saints are 32-10 since drafting Alvin Kamara in 2017. That's the best record in the NFC in that span. I mentioned that because I know you're such a big fan of Kamara and what he brings to the table for the Saints. But I want to ask you about Drew Brees. He's won in five in his last six games versus a team that lost by 25-plus in their previous game. So basically, Carolina lost by 26 last week. If you go by that theory, then Kyle Allen and company are going to be raring to go. Allen, by the way, nine interceptions since week eight. But what do you make of Brees in this one?
2: I I worried about Breeze last week. I didn't think he threw the ball down the field very well. I think Kamara is sensational. I think Sean Payton does stuff on tape that's remarkable. I don't think they'll lose the game, but I think 9.5 is really a heavy spread. I I, I like the road dog here. I like Carolina only because I think what you just said, they've been embarrassed. I thought the line should be 8. If I'm going to get 9.5, I'll take the 1.5 extra points. I think it typically these are closer games, especially the rivalry, especially when you know David Tepper, the owner of the Panthers, is breathing down your neck that if you lose this game and you're 5-6, and six, you can bet he's cleaning out the organization. He's going to clean out the organization anyway, but I think that's the case. I think these games are typically always close. I think New Orleans has played really good on defense. I think Carolina's defensive front's got to come back in the game. I'm worried about Breeze in a playoff game. I'm worried about Breeze if he has to go outside the dome and play in, in weather where it's going to factor. If he has to go to Philadelphia, let's say, and it's a windy day, does he have enough juice in that arm? The arm doesn't look like he can drive it. I think he's great mentally. He's sharp, all that. you know. But to me, the two players – you know that look like they could be near the end is Breeze and Rivers and you know the way that New England's offense doesn't have much going you could say well Brady's near the end I don't know they don't have a lot of things going for them I mean Brady's trying to do it with a lot of I don't see a decline in Brady's arm I see more of a decline in Brady's skill players the other two I see a decline in their skills. All right, so Alvin
1: Kamara, zero scrimmage touchdowns, by the way, in five straight games. That's the longest streak of his career. Maybe he can help out Drew Brady's, who, as you mentioned, Mike, certainly in terms of arm strength, doesn't appear to be the same guy so far this season. Coming up next, though, those are the games of the weekend. We'll talk more here on the GM Shuffle about having a franchise moving to London. That's right. We talk England next. Alright, we'll get to the GM Shuffle mailbag As always, thegmshuffle at gmail.com In just a second, but first It's time for Joe's question of the week And by the way, actually before we get to Joe's question of the week just want to say thank you to everybody who is subscribing To the GM Shuffle right now on Apple Podcast. You just go to subscribe And uh, you can rate and review us as well That's how we really keep the, the podcast rolling here Is by people offering such kind comments And please do keep those going We like to read a few of them here In fact, I got this one here from Faffle Beans I love the show and I love Mike's insight that no one else brings the table um i honestly think it's always good the fact that you guys do not have annoying shouting matches because lord knows we have enough of that in sports media um also here from mayman e the more i listen to mike lombardi the more i realize that almost all announcers have no idea what's really going on If Walsh said that every year we're only competing against eight teams and Mike Lombardi is really only competing against eight analysts. (laughs) Love your book. Love your insight. I'm a better coach
2: because of you. Keep up the great work. Good stuff, Mike. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's the best part about it. You know, the fun thing is, is like this week I got a call from a head hockey coach. That was great. I mean, you know, the the people that reach out to you because of the book and because they want to kind of supply some of the lessons of culture within that you learn, I I think it's great. And that's what we're trying to do here on on the shuffle. And that's why we're growing. And I think that the one thing Thing is I don't really give a crap like people say Lombardi you just said that about morning when to get re- you know we're doing good enough on the shuffle that we don't need clicks we're not hot takes here we're honest conversation that's more important than I don't want hot takes I want honest conversation I'm never going to say something that I can't back up with facts if I say Drew Brees that lacks arm strength it isn't because I want a hot take it's because I just watched him play and I think he can't drive the ball down the field I think Drew Brees is a Hall of Fame player. You know, and so I don't want this to become a personal thing or a shouting match. You know, because the you know the shouting matches or whoever louds, the yells the loudest wins. That doesn't make you any smarter. That just makes your hearing a problem. So I think that's really the essence of what we're trying to do on the shuffle is to just get people to understand that there's a different game than you're watching. There's a different game. I mean, Mike Palm on on Veasan this week went completely off on, and he was so right. I mean. They spotted the ball in the game against the Chiefs and the, the Chargers. Can you imagine playing, putting billion-dollar players on that field, A.D.? Can you imagine this? And so they spotted the ball, and they they, wound, and they went out, the ball went out of bounds, and they wound the clock. They started running the clock, and Mike Palm from VEASAN was going crazy because it's an error. And meanwhile, Joe and and, and Booger are talking about shallow crosses and praising Andy Reid's play calling and all. I mean, it's just at some point, like I said last week about Chris, at some point we as Americans deserve honesty in the press i mean howard cosell most most of the people that listen to this pod don't remember howard Howard cosell Cosell. he was just honest and you know when he went to the monday night game people loved him hated him whatever it was but he was honest he gave it his opinion now he wasn't caring about some team carrying up to him see i don't need somebody to tell me who's playing good like i don't need that I i don't need somebody in someone's front office to tell me what I, what I see. I don't need that. So I don't really give a shit if they talk to me or not. You know what I mean? Whereas most of these people, they need somebody to tell them what to think. I don't need that. Like, I'm going to think on my own. And it's working right
1: now, brother. That's why we got all these people listening to us, and we appreciate that. The Arnvarnish Truth here from Michael Lombardi. Joe, what is your question of the week for us here?
0: So I ran into an interesting story last week that rumors have been swirling about that Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos is interested in buying an NFL franchise. If that's the case, Which franchise should he buy and why?
1: I would say the Bengals, right? The Bengals have been such a disaster for so long, right? You think, (laughs) God, could anybody resuscitate the Bengals? Like, would there be a better image? Obviously, the Browns is one you would think, obviously, but I'm saying the Bengals because. You talk about ultimate woebegone franchises, lackluster teams. You know, a lack of identity. Haven't been to a Super Bowl since '89, and Boomer Esiason and Tim Crumry. I mean, you just say, listen, it didn't work out with Dalton. Marvin Lewis was there forever. Couldn't get them over the hump. People beat up on the Bengals, call them the
2: Bungles. If somebody could resuscitate the Bengals, make them a team of prominence, Mike, to me, that would be amazing. I mean, it'll never. Mike Brown is never going to sell that team. There's no chance. Katie Blackburn, her husband, her husband Troy, they're going to run that team, and they're going to they're going to be exactly what Eric Scheninsky said. They're going to be they're going to hate change, so they're going to become continue to be irrelevant. But their bank accounts are going to go up. I think Seattle's the only team he would buy, and it'll be interesting because I don't think people truly understand what Bezos is about, especially in the NFL. Bezos built his company on leanness. You know, when they first started at Amazon. I don't think people understand this. They had the desk that they gave the employees were basically old doors that they put legs on. The products had to be cheap. Nobody was getting luxury. Nobody was getting luxury. It was like, we're streamlining this shit down that we're going to go. Can you imagine walking in the locker room and saying, we're streamlining it down the Amazon way? (laughs) I don't know if that would go. Like, these guys are too used to having suites on the road. You know, where's my free coffee in the room? You know, where's my large suite? You know, can you imagine going on the road and you have to have a five bedroom suite when you get there because you're sleeping there for one night? I mean, what are you going to do in the suite? Seriously, (laughs) what a biggest waste of money of all time.
1: Yeah, uh, no question about it. All right, Shuffle at gmail.com. As we love to open up the mailbag, this one's here from John. Being from England, I'd love to get the thoughts of a GM on the following. How teams deal with a London game and the possibilities of a franchise over here, if that would even work logistically. P.S., don't forget Mickey Blue Eyes in your mob references. That's right, Jimmy Kahn, Hugh Grant. Very good.
2: I love Jimmy Con, God, I love Jimmy Con. Jesus, every time Santino, don't go, just stay there, <laughs> sit in the car, and don't go. Uh, I think it's really possible. I think I think that to me, that's a fascinating city would be Munich or Berlin to have a team along with London. I could see us having two teams in Europe. Look, let's face it, air travel is problematic. But, you know, I mean, look, going to the L.A. is a problem. I mean, Baltimore's going to go to L.A. to play the Monday night game. They leave Saturday. It's going to take them probably now in November with the wind, five and a half to get out there. So, you know, weather does factor into air travel. But I mean, we're a global game and we need to be more global. Germany, the World League, when it they had four teams in Germany. People in Germany love football. We need to be in Germany. I mean, I wish, I wish I could go to Germany, have somebody come over and invite me to speak at a clinic or something, because they love the sport. And the same thing in London. Ryan Holiday sent me a picture this week. He was over in London. The first thing he did is go out to Chartwell. That's the smart man right there. Go out and look at Churchill's property. You know, AD, it's the only place that I've really ever been in my life that you could feel the person still was in the, there. You could feel his presence. You could feel his presence at his property. It was amazing. You could feel him. You know, the bricklayer that he was, the painter that he was, you could feel him. I don't know the guy from the man on the moon, but I could feel him.
1: Oh, that is interesting. You think of the presence and all the history. I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty incredible, man, what Churchill did. Um, uh, Thursday night football preview. Colts six and four taking on the Texans here. Good AFC South matchup. How do you size this one up?
2: Two, six, and four teams. Look, I, I this game is about, you know, the Colts have dominated this game, but reality is, you know, the Colts can't make any plays down the field. They struggle. Without T.Y. Hilton, their offense is a horse and buggy. Without Marlon back this week, I think Deshaun Watson being held to 232 yards by the Ravens last week, only converting two of 10 third downs. I think the Texans come out and play their best game. I mean, they need to. It's the best thing for the Texans was as bad as they played against Baltimore, the short week helps them because they can get that taste out of their mouth. If they get Will Fuller back, I love them even more. But this is a game the Texans have to have. I'm going to go Texans here.
1: Yeah, you think about with or without Jacoby Brissett, with or without J.J. Watt, how these teams have been impacted, but ultimately, Deshaun Watson, 11-4 and 4 in his career at home, 9-8 and 8 on the road. We'll see if that winning tradition will continue at home. Right, as we close up shop, Mike always has great sources around the league. Anything you're hearing as far as potential breaking news, Mike?
2: You know, there's a lot of stuff going on. You know, where's Antonio Brown going to go? What he's going to do? What he might be doing? You know, there seems to be a lot of smoke around Antonio Brown. Maybe nothing. Maybe just a lot of talk. I'm not sure where, when, or how, but there's a lot of smoke going on right now. As
1: always, thanks so much for checking out the GM Shuffle. Spread the word here, Apple Podcasts. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at the GM Shuffle, and we'll talk to you guys again coming up on Monday.